Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics and passages about the Bible. This is Pete Vecchi. I am an associate pastor for Pleasantville, excuse me, for Christway Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And I'm joined by Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi, and Pastor Don McDonald, also known as Pastor Mac or PMAC. He is the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. And Pastor Don, PMAC, I think that you're going to kind of take the lead as we begin to discuss a topic today that has an interesting title, if you ask me. It is called, Has Culture Left Scripture? And as Josh said, we could just make this our shortest podcast by saying yes, goodbye. But I think we want to say a little bit more about it than that. What do you think? You mean we can't say yes, goodbye and <laughs> call it a night? <laughs> I don't know. I was, I had the honor. I don't know if it's an honor or not to sit through the general synod of the reformed churches to here in June of 2022. And I, I kept feeling the tension between how much does culture determine the direction of the church and how much does scripture. And I don't know how many times I heard scripture says this and how many times I heard, yeah, but there's this, you know, and, and I kept thinking about the very heart of second Timothy three sixteen, where it says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I, I love scripture. I bathe myself in scripture and I'm like, when did we as a culture leaves scripture behind, you know, and, and there's so many debates in church history of probably, you know, when that happened, but it, it's one of those conversations where how do we, you know, as a church, in my mind, um, show the value of scripture and decision-making and how do we do that? I mean, I'm assuming maybe we should ask just to be clear you know, all three of us, are we in agreement that it feels like our culture has left scripture? Yeah. I mean, I heard, yeah, yeah from Josh and Pete, you're doing. Yeah, your I, I said, yeah, basically the same time he did. It might not have come through. But <laughs> we both, if we want to play the old game, we've got on jinx. No. So. Yeah, really. <laughs> and, and, and I guess in, in my mind, that, that's really the question that I'm asking here is, how do we show culture that scripture still has value in our culture? How do, how do we do that? That, as I was sitting there at my table for general Senate, it's like, man, where, where did we, as it were, lose that voice of scripture and culture and, and how do we bring it back to life? What are some of the thoughts you guys have on that? I think I think to start, we've got to recognize one of the bigger problems is scripture. I love scripture too, man. Um, dedicate my life to it, try to at least. And uh, 
The Bible was written over a period of what, 1500 years by 40 authors on three continents and three languages. Um, you know, uh, but it, it, it was written up until about 18, 1900 years ago. And that makes it old. And so that's the, the first thing. The other thing is that we're in this constant mindset that things get better as time goes on. And so you've got an old document and a culture of people that have progressed another 2,000 years since, well, not 1,800 years since the end of the writing of Scripture. And some of it is, is you know, 3,500 years ago. And we're thinking, certainly, um, the big thing is, is we're thinking that we have uh, progressed, I'm going to just say it that we've progressed uh, far beyond the thought process, the thinking, the mindset of people 3,500 years ago, if not 1,800 years ago. Um, and then I look and I think of things like Hitler. I think of, uh, you know, um, the, the millions of people that have died under certain forms of so socialism. I think of abortion. I think of uh, all the things that we do that are deviant, that everything like that. I, I wonder too if we need to if we need to be uh, checked <laughs> a little bit as to how far we really have moved from the people of 1800 to 3500 years ago. Um, but I, I do think that one of the biggest things is it's a different time. It's people who are simpler than we are. They didn't have everything we do. So why would it be relevant to our mindset? And so the very beginning we have to do to say you need scripture is we have to detach scripture from an ancient culture and say that scripture confirms and, and affirms a lot of objective truths, a lot of things that are separate from culture. And we have to, as pastors, be masters at separating what God is saying from the initial culture by, I think, understanding that culture and seeing how and applying it to our current culture. But I, I don't know, we're at there's a, there's a lot of hills that we have to climb, which call for very, for pastors that are experts at handling scripture. I'll just say that. Well, you use the word expert, and I think that's a key term, Josh, um, because our culture now is expecting everybody to be an expert. We listen to the experts, and unfortunately... Well, everybody is an expert, Pete. Well, yeah, yeah, but then only only if you have the right expertise. So, like for instance, what I see happening is that when it comes to any given issue, the world will look to quote experts, but those experts more and more are secular humanists, and so we're looking to quote experts to decide how to fix this problem in society or this issue in society or whatever you might have. And even the church, in my opinion, has started to fall into that because when you look at things such as pastors and this, understand, I'm not talking that this is a wrong thing to do because there are some wonderful pastors who have gone on to become doctors of divinity, getting their, you know, their, their doctorates, things like that. Um, but a lot of the times when you think about people getting doctorates, where are they getting their doctorates? Well, they're getting them from um, institutions that are getting the, uh, what do you call it, the, the means to be able to get a doctorate, to qualify for a doctorate. They're getting 
all the stuff where you have to do it how from the liberal mindset you know so the institutions are getting more liberal seminaries by and large are getting more liberal and they're moving away from scripture i remember and i'm talking back in 1983 the ancient of days when a friend of mine had gone from college into seminary and he said that one of the first um one of the first classes he had, the professor started the class by saying, well, I know that none of you believes in the virgin birth, so let's start from there. And this was in a seminary, and this yeah. was in the 1980s. Yeah, but none of you believe in the virgin birth. Right, and that's how the professor in the seminary started the class. So we're moving away from biblical um, authority and moving towards, well, yeah, we, we can reason this out. We know more now. You know, we know more now. Every generation has seemed to know more now. I think it started a lot with the Enlightenment in the 1700s, 1600s, you know, that kind of time. Um, the Renaissance, actually, when you look at the periods of, of history, Renaissance means like rebirth, which is kind of where they're talking about the rebirth of knowledge. And that's basically when it started with a lot of these... Uh, ideas that hey we can do this without god and that was about a little bit more than a thousand years after the scriptures were were written so don you look very thoughtful there you have something you wanted to say or i just you know i i i think the the question i ask now you know as i'm preaching and teaching and i'm i'm winding down i only got a couple more years you know from from preaching and teaching officially is how do I show the value of scripture in everyday life? That's that's one of the questions I've been asking a lot of myself. I, and I, I find myself, I'm working through Hosea, which in some ways is a very awkward book. It's You could almost say it's rated R because, you know, it's about prostitutes and adultery. And of course, it's all allegory about you know israel's relationship with god and how it's being experienced and you know in a lot of ways that's where we're at i feel you know even spiritually in the life of the church we, we're spending way too much time on what culture says is right and not enough time bathing ourselves in the presence of god and oh. how do we i keep asking myself how do we show the value of starting with scripture first, you know, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul, how do you show that love in the world so that it, it shows that, Hey, being in Jesus, a is joyful. Being in Jesus is, is a beautiful uh, relationship that's driven by scripture. Scripture can bring to life your life, you know, and and it's so countercultural of our day. Can I ask you guys something? You're you're both in denominations that I think are experiencing a good amount of leftward drift. Is that is that a fair statement? We'll give you that. Yep. I think probably it would be a fair statement. Yeah. What do they hope to gain? <sighs> you know, because yeah, attendance yeah. attendance is going attendance is going down. And the more liberal a church is, we're showing this with mainstream mainline churches, the more liberal a church is, the, the harder the attendance is being hit. So it's obviously not gaining them 
uh, greater attendance unless they're dismissing that and just thinking if we can get through this to where culture finally accepts us, we'll, we'll then gain an attendance. So it doesn't seem to be attendance driven. What, what is the, the hope? What's the gain? I, you know, personally walking away from General Senate, I, I feel like it's just, hey, I've got a voice and since I have a voice, I can have control. And if I have control, then that's what I want. You know, I think it's an issue of, of power and control personally. And I think my prayer walk starting about 10 years ago is I feel that people are building their own high places. Remember, you know, in Israel, they built the high altars to worship false gods and they made their own gods and their own understanding of these gods. And in a lot of ways, it, 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 I think it has a nuance of that. And, you know, you, you, I, as I bathe myself in that question, because I've sort of asked that a lot, Josh, in these 10 years, I, I really think they're not worried so much about their numbers and that part of it as it is, look what I'm doing, you know, that calling to self. Okay. Um, I, I don't see that they want to foot wash someone. They want someone to wash their feet type of feel. Okay. So I think that's part of it in my mind. I probably just offended somebody, but that's all right. Um, but I think, you're, I think you're right there, Don. And I mean, part, part of it, what I see too is, I, I hate to use the word game because I don't think it's a game. I think it's very serious, but I say, what is the end game? And when I'm saying the end game, I mean, what is, what is it, Josh? I think the way you put it is what are they hoping to accomplish? And I think that what I have seen over the past, even just 30 years or so, has been a drift from the idea that, hey, Jesus is coming back and we need to be prepared for him to take us at any time or for him to come back at any time to a lot of people looking at scripture and somehow getting from the scripture that, hey, things are going to get better and there's going to be this great revival in the world. And by bringing this great revival in the world, that's how Jesus is going to come back. Now, I don't see it that way. I'm not saying that all the Nazarenes or all the liberal people see it that way, but that's why I'm seeing the drift going, where people don't see things, for instance, in the book of Revelation, they're, they're preterists, they're historic, historicists. They think that the book of Revelation is all about history. It's not um, prophetic. I tend to believe, and, and I will stand by the fact that I believe it's primarily a prophetic book. Yes, it did talk about the churches, the, you know, the seven churches and things like that as far as history, but I believe it's talking about what's to come. Yeah, but, but Pete, I, I just, without going that far into that, I, I just, I look at some big parts of the church, and I can't tell the difference between them and, and what's not in the church. Oh, I know. They all support the same issues. They all fall the same place on on revolutions and everything like that and 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 it's not so much we're, we're looking at bible and culture have shifted but the church has followed culture and and to be honest i i hold i think i'm in a very conservative denomination but we're not as conservative as, as we used to be either some of that may be good because we rejected i think in the nazarene church the big thing was you know there used to be this prohibition against dancing and somebody had to grow up at some point and say, it's not leftward shift to realize that you can dance without sinning. It's maybe that we uh, were calling things too, too much back in the day or something like that. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like, uh, to me, the impression I get is we just cannot stand 
we've been popular with the world for so long, we cannot stand being at odds with the world. And so how can we learn to, to interpret scripture so that we're not at odds with the world? And whether they come to the church or not, it, it's that, that's, that I wish they would and all, but at least they're not looking at me thinking, well, they're weirdos or they're different or they're, they're backwards or they're, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, when, when hasn't the church been looked at by the world as being different? Today. And I think, and I think that that's, <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, I think that that's historically accurate as well. There's something yeah. different but about it, the Christian. It used to be, it used to be that the culture in ways at least reflected scripture. Yeah. And now it's the church is starting to reflect culture and getting, I think, farther and farther away from scripture. Although what we do is we work our magic to reinterpret and change and, and manipulate scripture so that it includes everything that, that our culture is for right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way some people read scripture right now, you would think that it backs up the most far radical opinions of our sinful culture. And I don't know. But I, I think, Josh, that is, you know, in the life of, of the church I serve, the denomination, actually, one of the number one reasons why we're splintering apart as much as we are, I mean, we're losing 36% of our confessing membership is what we call humanutics. And humanutics is the way we interpret scripture and how scripture yeah. is used. And yeah. to me, it, it, it's, it's the bigger argument that's more important than the smaller argument. You know, because I, I see scripture as all God breathed. I see it as something that I do use in teaching, you know, and when, when I'm talking to my children about why I do what I do, I love you unconditionally because God un loves me unconditionally as we deal with our frailties, you know, yeah. and, and I think in my mind and, and my youngest child and I had this talk a while back because he was working for crew and crew is campus crusade for Christ at U of I. And he, he said to me, he says, the problem is, Dad, that at Crew, we are finding people are less and less involved with Scripture and more and more involved in social media being their Bible now. And, and I had never thought about it that way. You know, where do you get your information from? Where do you understand? And he says, at Crew, they began to do what they call social media minimalist where they spend minimal time now on social media and more time in scripture. So I think when I'm looking at the question, has culture loved scripture? I think probably in my mind, when I heard my youngest talk about that and it opened up my eyes, when did we as Christians leave scripture? When did we, we counted too much on uh, the preacher to be the expert and not each believer, not each, not each priest, hood of believers, you know, uh, I think when people got lazy with scripture and didn't use scripture in daily life is when they started to count more on culture. At least that's some of my thing. Am I wrong on that or right? What, what do you think? I think that you got a lot of uh, great thoughts there, honestly. Um, when did it happen? One of the first things that came to my mind, okay, I'm going to anger a lot of pastors here. But when it got to be that pastors were supposed to get well paid, you know, they should have pay pay commiserate with their um, with their schooling and yeah. 
well, the congregations kind of get to the point of, well, we pay the pastor to do that. I know that that's not the way it's really preached, but that's sometimes an attitude that, yeah. that people will have. I mean, I remember I was in, in a church one time where I was the pastor and it was kind of a small church and uh, they wanted us, I, I may have shared this before, they wanted us to bring boxes of fruit to the shut-ins for Christmas gifts, but they wanted to make sure the pastor brought it. <laughs> it had to be the pastor to bring it, you know, and that, that just kind of, it was just kind of this mentality that I think has developed. And by the way, there are a lot of pastors who are very well underpaid. And that, I want to go on, I want to go on record <laughs> saying that there are pastors who I know who don't even get any salary. So it's not, it's not an all the time thing, but I think that that's sometimes a mentality of, of how it got to where you, the things you were talking about, Doc. Pete, isn't that a, isn't that a cultural issue though? Because nobody mows their own lawns anymore. Nobody fixes their own cars. Nobody changes their own oil. Mm -hmm. um, we have people that do those things, and the right. pastor may just fit into that. I um, agree. I don't have. I don't mow my own lawn. I just had a hard time finding somebody to start mowing my lawn after my lawn care service of twelve years quit me mid-season this year. Yeah. We're just used to if somebody, you know, if something needs to be done, we pay somebody to do it. And the pastor falls into that probably. Sure. I, sure. I want to say that I think part of what uh, part of what does it for us is obviously we don't spend we don't spend the time studying scripture anymore like we used to. Our grandparents were far more, you know, if they were Christian, they were far more, uh, far more connected to their church. They went Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday mornings. Um, for Sunday school, Sunday, Sunday evening, Wednesday, and every other time. They went to revivals all the time. We don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Very few churches that do that. But the other thing I think that happened is we all got very comfortable with saying that's in the Bible, but it's not for us. And one of the bigger issues we do that on, and you know, you said you're going to anger some people. I don't know if any, I think people agree, but we, we, we ignore what scripture says about things like divorce. Um, and we as a church, we've gotten really used to forgetting that that was called out and forget. I mean, and there's and divorce is just one of them because it's easy for me because I see how lax our attitude is toward divorce. The Bible says that God hates divorce. And a lot of the reasons it says it because divorce sets up a woman typically. And now in today's society, it may be different with kids and all, but to, 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 to lose the protection that she had and everything in marriage and all, but God and, and God never okays divorce. We, we've also gotten this idea because it serves our purpose to say, you know what, God um, um, is okay with divorce under certain circumstances. Um, but I, I don't know. We've, we've developed these narratives in church um, that kind of allow us to dismiss parts of scripture. And divorce is just what I picked, but divorce is, you know, please don't, don't kind of uh, focus in on divorce. There are other things like that. We've gotten really used to sex outside of marriage. Um, and, and the more we justify modern behavior as not being under the conviction of scripture, the more we're able to d dismiss other things as well that scripture calls out. And it just, I, I don't know, one thing leads, people told me for years, there's no such thing as a slippery slope. You know, there, there's no research that, that shows it, but come on, that's the most dumb statement ever. You start one behavior and it makes it easier to pick up the next behavior. Everybody knows that. Um, and we've watched over the last few years, the slippery slope in and out of the church that just is undeniable. Um,
But I think it starts with us saying, oh, you know what? That part of scripture isn't for me and not being able to justify using scripture. Because I can also look at back at Leviticus and say, look, there were three types of laws. It's very easy. Look and study the book. You start to understand some of this is moral. Some of this is for them at that point, because God was doing something very specific. And it says it right here. Um, but lately we're like, well, that was cultural. Well, why do you think it was cultural? Well, because their culture was different than ours. <laughs> what? You can't dismiss something from scripture by saying that. You, you, so anyway. I, I, I guess the, the other word that comes to mind is uh, setting a president. You know, sometimes you, you make that decision. You're wondering if you're setting up something that might weaken something else down the line, sort of that slippery yeah. slope, you know, and, and I think, yeah. you know, I, I had the honor, you know, when I was at general Senate of sitting with a Hispanic gentleman and African-American gentleman, and both of them were basically bathing themselves in scripture and talking about the power of God's love. And um, I found myself sort of saying, you know, Lord, we, we have such beautiful voices of Christ and you hope those voices will show the power of scripture, you know? And then I asked myself, why isn't that a prayer for myself? You know, how do we bring scripture to life? I keep coming back to that and value it. You know, recently somebody made a, a comment to me that I preach more like a Baptist, sorry, Josh, than I do a reformer. Uh, that's a compliment. <laughs> that's a compliment. Uh, yeah, that's how I took it too. I said, thank you for the compliment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's because I, I just see the value and the power of scripture. And, and, and I think, you know, my favorite telephone call is I got somebody, I preached on, I can't remember exactly what it was, but she was really mad at me. She called me. She's bad. P Mac, I've got my Bible open and we're going to be talking. I thought, thank you, Lord. Somebody actually has the scripture. Open. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's something that, you know, as I think about closing this session, I think we're, we're heading towards Pete, that delightful. We have no simple answers. Yep. You know, and, and, and I think my prayer for us as pastors is, is somehow we awaken God's people to the value of themselves being in scripture and the value of, of them showing that power of God's love. And it's because of scripture. Uh, that's, that's my prayer. It is mine too. And I hope that I am speaking at a relevant point. I just had an internet glitch while we were talking and I lost you guys for a bit. So I hope that I'm not like 30 seconds delayed here. Um, so I, I see you laughing at what I'm saying. So I guess I'm, I'm on point. I, I thought that it was really important though. One of the questions I do want to ask is Don, I know what you talked about getting ready to end this. I, I, I tend to wonder, do we really live like we actually believe it? You know, and, and here's one of the things that, that I wanted to read, because you started out with uh, 2 Timothy 3. I want to read this from 2 Timothy 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Do we believe that? Yeah, you know, Absolutely. we do. But do we really? Yeah. Do, we, do, we pro, do, we, do we show that we believe that we believe that Jesus will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, this is Paul speaking to Timothy his protege, he says, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. That is powerful. Yeah. That is powerful scripture. And sometimes I think that too many pastors, um, and I'm not going to try to say in a certain denomination or another denomination or my denomination, or your denomination, whatever. I think that too many pastors, and I will sometimes say maybe I'm even timid when it comes to it, do not want to use the words like rebuke. You know, we want to be graceful. Hey, you know why? Why? Because people may leave. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's part of it. But, but when you think about it, you know, if, if a pastor is thinking, what's the long term goal? If I if I as a pastor offend somebody to the point where they leave, then I will never be able to influence them again. And, you know, that might be the long term thought in a person's head. I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. I'm not saying that is the way to do it. However, you know, sometimes the scripture hurts. Sometimes the truth hurts. One of the big things I've been hearing about is that, you know, if people are looking too forward to heaven, that's called escapism. Well, guess what? I would love to escape this world one day and go live in heaven. I don't care if they call that escapism or not, but do yeah. we believe it? Do we believe that the kingdom is much more than what's on this earth? And I think that's calls that escapism. That's what I've heard people use that term. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. When, when they say, hey, you know, we're looking for the rapture, we're looking for Jesus to come take us out of here, that's escape. We've been looking for that for 2,000 years. They were looking for that in Scripture. <laughs> I understand, but that's what that's what people Jesus are told saying. us to watch and pray, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. That's what Some people glad morning when this life is all. Yeah. This is the problem with, with social media. I forget who said it, but people who have not earned the voice tend to use their voice to, to hit others all the time. Mm -hmm. and they've got i don't know preach yeah. it brother preach it but it's not just in social media and again i've heard it in churches more more along the lines of more mainline churches but i do want to say this one thing in, in defense of the church of the nazarene um the the general assembly that we're supposed to have next year they have already picked the theme and to me it's a very hopeful theme the theme is jesus is lord you know it's not about going out and doing this mission, going out and doing that mission. It's Jesus is Lord. They want to focus on the on the main thing. As I heard somebody say, it's like the old Vince Lombardi um, quote when his team got beat and he started the next meeting with, gentlemen, this is a football. Well, <laughs> what I hear when you say that, Pete, is let's get vanilla ice cream. So <laughs> I, I, mean, I agree that Jesus is Lord. Um, I would hope that, that we get together for the first time in six years Let's address what's going on. Uh, yeah. and, and it could go that way. You never know. But I think the idea uh, being let's let's have unity and let's let's work around the fact that Jesus is Lord. And, you know, if he's Lord, that means he's boss. And if he's boss, I want to follow what he tells me to do. And what he said to do is in scripture, I think. Let me, about that? Let me, let me end my, my whole part on this. <laughs> I used to, when I was in a, a, a church we've spoken about and I'm not going to bring up, I used to be told all the time. You got to find a way to be in the church with these people. They're Christians, just like you are, you know, let them have their opinion. You have yours. We're all part of the same body. 
And somebody in the UMC, I have some good friends who are very conservative UMC pastors, and I don't know how they deal with it because, um, you know, the, the anyway, I don't know how they deal with it. And I ask them all the time. And one of them really changed my perspective on this. And he said, I'm holding on until the split. And I said, whoa, don't you want to keep it together? He said, not at all. I want the people who are, are not treating scripture well. I want the people who are leading us into ways that are ungodly and are against Christ to be gone from us so that we can be about our mission again. And he said, as soon as we have the line drawn, I know where I'm going. I, I know um, what I'm going to be. And I'm way more hopeful for the church with this split coming than I am if we always continually try to appease each other and not offend each other and just watch while the church goes into this wild progressivism without being able to do anything about it. Let them go. I want to be back on mission again. And so that really changed the way I saw it. And I know you, you're talking about unity and everything like that. When I, when I stepped out of a denomination that where the denomination had all the control, I started to see, you know, hey, I miss a little of that, but it's more with the administration and organization and having the policies and all that stuff. I don't want to be, I don't want to move with every other church in the country based on the, the, the politics and the social activism and everything that they're, I don't want to be pulled along with that. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I, I hear you, Pete. I'm glad for you. <laughs> well, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're exactly right, though. There, there are good points and there are bad points. My whole idea is I want people to know Jesus is Lord, and I want people to follow yeah. Jesus is Lord. I want that to be the bedrock of our faith. Because yeah. it starts there. Because when we believe that, then I do believe we we do believe in Scripture and we do follow Scripture. Yeah, I and agree. that's to me that's that's the idea. That is the basis. Because Jesus Christ living within us, leading us through the guiding of the Holy Spirit living within us, yeah. teaching us what yeah. Scripture says, showing us how to apply Scripture in our lives, in our ministries. To me, that's a that's a big key to making sure that we are faithful to Scripture and following what the Scripture says rather than what culture says. And maybe culture would see that and begin to realize there's more to what is Scripture than what they thought mm -hmm. because of that. You know, I've been praying for revival, you know, for probably the last five years built on 2 Chronicles 7.14. I mean, that's been my prayer. Um but it all begins with how I don't, I don't see it happening while the church is living just like the world does. Well, you know, you know, to me, the beauty of, of scripture is there's one word that I've been thinking a lot in the last 20 years, remnant. Mm. There's always a faithful remnant that God uses. Yeah. And, you know, Lord, if, if it's, if it's me, amen, you know, um, I keep that in my mind a lot. You know, I guess that's why I don't get overly down about it is because just be faithful. Let God do what he does mm -hmm. that and bring to life Jesus. And as you bring to life, Jesus, bring to life the very scripture that you're called to do. And you pray then that culture will shift away from, uh, you know, the secularism into a thought of, oh, wait a minute. Scripture starts here and, and it's about, we're supposed to bathe each other in love. Even when we disagree, we're supposed to pursue that bond of peace. that shows the shalom presence of God. All of a sudden I'm, I'm walking through scripture right now mm -hmm. and I'm bringing it to life. And so, you know, I think we all agree has culture left scripture. Yes. 
And I think we all agree that it's a tough struggle and we have that tension there. And we're trying to figure out how to live out this scripture as we live through this tension. And I add the word chaos. And my prayer is, is we do start with the Lordship of Jesus and that we do start with loving one another. I mean, here I am, an old reformer sitting with a Baptist and a Nazarene. Isn't that an example of coming together in Christ and, and seeing that unity and pursuing that bond of peace? You know, I'm thinking of Ephesians right now. So, yeah, I, I think culture has left scripture, but in a lot of ways, sometimes I think where are we as a church with scripture and have we failed culture because we haven't been in scripture enough. And I think the three of us sort of lean in saying, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. Sure. I think that's some of our thinking, Peter. I think so too. I think that it's uh, some things that we want to think about and not just think about, but pray about and, and really continue to get into the word. And I just like, I like the fact that you referred to First uh, um, Chronicles 714. Um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land. We could get into all kinds of deals about what is their land? What is this? But you know, the bottom line is he's talking to his people and we as his people need to continue to seek his face. And, and I think we do that by looking at the word of God, which he has given us, which has endured for all these, you know, hundreds of uh, Tens of hundreds of years, 1,800 years or so, I guess is how Josh put it, since scripture was, the canon was, you know, since the scripture was written, it was, the canon was developed a few hundred years later, but still scripture has been around. Some of it, the Old Testament has been around for a lot longer than that. And God's word is there. God's word is true. And I'm glad that we three, at least, are here and saying, yeah, we want to influence culture for scripture rather than let you know, let uh, the culture influence us. So guys, it's been fun. I enjoyed this, but I think it's been important more than it's been fun. So let me just say it's time to uh, start signing off. So for Josh Kugel, pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi, for Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, pastor of Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois. This is Pete Vecchi, Associate Pastor of Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. Lord willing, we'll be back another time for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.